What is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the First Gear Podcast. My name is Eric. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm here with my buddy Tanner. Say hi, Tanner. Hey, guys. How's it going? Thanks for coming back. Yeah. Dude, we had way more traffic than what I thought was going to happen the first week. So, seriously, thank you guys for like sharing the show, listening, and everything else. We appreciate it. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, we had a lot of issues getting it uh, delivered on all the platforms, and it got released a lot later than it was supposed to. But with the amount of downloads that we got, I was very surprised by that, and I really, really appreciate it. I, that's just going to help us grow this show even faster, and it'll just help us get better along the way. Oh, 100%. This app that we found is so much better. We've been using Zoom. Um, for those that don't know, Zoom cuts you off at 40 minutes. So what we were having to do was like split the audio, put it back together and all, all kinds of other nonsense. And it was just kind of crazy. But that's what happens when you have remote podcasting. You just got to like figure it out on the fly as you go. And this is going to work so much better because I don't believe this has a time limit on how long we can go. So we could talk for four hours for all it matters. Right. Well, and it, it just makes it so hard because going back and forth in between Zooms to try and pick up where you left off, it's hard to make it sound good. And this, oh, is, yeah. this is going to work a lot smoother. Oh, 100%. I'm pumped. I love where the show is going to go. Love that people were excited about it. And let's go on to stage one if you're good. Yeah, man, let's do it. So let's just talk about it. Um, if you guys watched the race this week, if you have been watching the news or really anything, you will have probably seen an incident between Bubba Wallace and Kyle Larson. Um, if you didn't see it, if you're okay, I was just going to kind of explain what happened real quick and then we can dive in on what we think. So basically, um, coming into turns three and four at Las Vegas, it's a mile and a half oval track. So it's very high speeds. And there's a lot going on at that track. So Kyle Larson basically dive bombed two other cars, including Bubba Wallace. One of them backed out um, midway through the corner. And what happens whenever you dive in too hard into turns a lot is you get washed up. What that means is his car started tracking back up the racetrack into Bubba Wallace and washed him up the track as well into the retaining wall coming out of three and four. So Bubba smacked the corner pretty good. Like it actually bounced the car off the walls. Pretty good flick. Um, what happened next was kind of crazy though, with all the safety issues and everything going on, Bubba decided he was going to hook Larson into the outside retaining wall at 150 miles an hour with everything going on. And the worst part about it was, in my opinion, they ended up collecting Christopher Bell, who is also in the playoffs. Like he's in the round of eight right now. He's fighting for that playoff position. And that cost him a bunch of points because he got a DNF. Um, after the incident, Bubba Wallace decided to, he completely lost his mind, in my opinion, for five minutes. Like, there was no train. He was just in rage mode. Yep. Um, he decides to get out of his car, walk out on the track, which you're not supposed to do without an AMR official at all. Walks down to Kyle Larson's car and decides he's going to start shoving him around and, like, pushing the track people around and all kinds of other stuff. Just raising hell, basically, is what he was doing for a solid five minutes. and. Um, man, I haven't seen anything like that in a while. Um, honestly, the real hot one that I remember is, uh, Kenseth and Joey Logano or like Keselowski and Gordon after the race got in a fist fight, but I haven't seen somebody actually hook another car and turn them into the wall in quite a while. Yeah. Um, 
man, I got so many different things I could say about it, but he, uh, he definitely, uh, let his emotions do all the talking on this. And the thing that really kills me is I don't think it, his day wasn't over when he hit the wall. Like Mm -hmm. they even talked on the broadcast that cars have been bouncing off turn four wall, like the whole race up to that point. I'm pretty sure Bubba had actually tagged the wall once before sometime during the first stage when he was in the lead, I believe. But I mean, there was numerous cars that did it. And the fact that after he raged like that, he collected another Toyota teammate. But yeah, I think, uh, I think Larson collecting bell and that was his saving grace for a safety standpoint, because, uh, according to the data that I saw, Parker Kligerman did a really good, uh, video showing all the data of it pretty much showing that it was definitely intentional but when he hit larson they were going 170 mile an hour yeah which and like for those that don't know um the safety issues that they've been having for the past like you know for half the season almost now is whenever cars back into the wall um they've been getting concussions like at a high rate of speed if they back into the wall they've been getting concussions and kurt bush actually just announced his retirement like a day before the race because of the concussion that he got back. I think it was at Pocono earlier this year. And he's literally said before, like, my mind's not right. I'm not back to being Kurt Busch. And I don't feel like it's right for me to be in the car whenever somebody else could be. And I don't feel like it's right for my competitors to have to deal with this. So he actually retired because of it. Alex Bowman's out of the playoffs because of it. And you know, it was an unfortunate situation for Christopher Bell, but he, for all we know, he saved Larson a concussion or worse because he was going to, he, he would have backed into that wall at 150 miles an hour. Yeah, uh, for sure. And even that side impact on the driver's door to the wall that I'm sure that rung his bell a little bit too, but yeah, I don't know. Kyle's got this thing to where he can get in these wild wrecks and he can just walk away from them. Like, I don't know how many years ago it was that when he was racing the midgets down in Australia over the wintertime, because a lot of the open wheel guys do that, mm-hmm. him and Christopher Bell got in this really, really bad wreck down there. And I mean, Kyle was shaken up like he was actually on the ground after he got out of the car, but he had like two black eyes and everything. And he like came back to the States and started racing in the cup stuff. And he just kept racing with a black eye. I mean, he was all banged up and he was still racing. So he, uh, that's, his stamina seems to be pretty incredible for how small of a guy he really is. I think that's a thing, man. Mark Martin never seemed to have an issue either. Um, like getting hurt or anything like that. He's a pretty tiny guy. He's like five foot three and full of everything under the sun. So like, I don't know. I don't know what your take on it is, but I've never raced. So I can't say what I would do in that situation. I'd be mad. Like, you know, somebody runs you up into the wall, oh, doors yeah. you up into the wall, you're going to be mad, 100%. But... Rightfully so. Um, so I can't give any insight on racing at 170 mile an hour because I haven't had the opportunity to do that yet. Yeah. I have done a little bit of asphalt racing, not much. Hopefully to do a lot more next year. Um, but so like going to dirt track racing, uh, when you're running the outside like that side by side, it's kind of a risk versus reward thing. Um you obviously you can get really good runs if you're running the cushion or up against the wall, but there is a risk every time when you're side by side and you got somebody down on the inside 
So dirt track racing, you are completely sideways in the corners. It don't matter what form of dirt track car you're in. That's just how it is. <clears throat> and when cars, uh, when they slide up the track, they are, and you don't have a spotter, you don't have mirrors, you don't have this new live yep. camera that the cup cars do. So, yeah. <clears throat> and I've been in that situation too. When you're sliding up the track like that, you're just kind of going off of feel and sound of where the car on the outside is. And when you're on the outside and you see a guy sliding up like that, you can either do one of two things. You can either stay in it and hope that you clear them. Usually you got to be like a tire ahead or a nose ahead <clears throat> yep. to clear. Um, otherwise you got to back out. And that was one thing that kind of bothered me with, uh, Bubba's interviews is his first interview. He's just, to me, he sounded like a cocky idiot and it bothered me <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, he just, he was digging that hole even deeper in that first interview right out of the care center. Cause he was like saying, well, I don't lift. I know I'm new to running up front. I don't lift. Well, yes, you're new to running up front, but in that situation, sometimes you have to lift. But then again, I haven't done side by side racing in 170 mile an hour. So it could be a little different story. But yep. then the next interview he had, he said, well, I had already lifted and it was too late at that point. Well, he had most of the corner and his spotter was in his ear saying the five cars sliding up to you, sliding up to you. Yep. So whether he could have backed out of it enough to prevent that, I don't know. If he could have backed out enough, there's a good chance that Larson could have hit the wall, but I don't think they even made contact. I think the first time that their cars made contact was after Bubba bounced off the wall and then bounced down and hit Larson. And then after that is when he proceeded to right rear him, which is something that you just don't ever do. No, <clears throat> you, but my biggest thing was kind of the same in the same tone, like the inconsistency big inconsistency with like what he was talking about during the interviews it was like right. two or three different stories and and i don't care what he says and none of them did he own up to the fact of any aspect of what happened like never apologized never like owned it never said yeah i just you know i was outside my mind for five minutes and you know that happened even in the like the official PR statement that they released from 2311 Racing, there was nowhere mentioned in that anything about Larson, any of the other drivers. Uh, there was a little bit mentioned about Bell, but I think that was just know. Toyota pushing that. Honestly, yeah. I think he kind of had to. And that was the other thing. Like in our episode last week, we talked about drivers being more involved in the social media stuff and being more open with that. Yeah. Well, this is where I kind of want to compare uh, Bubba to Kyle. Um, so Bubba just had a written statement. So I don't know about you, but I don't think there's very many people that actually believe anything about that. I think no. <laughs> to me, that was just him checking the box to move on from it. Um, yep. There's a good chance that it could have been a PR person that wrote that, which this is all opinions. So this isn't facts. We don't know. But yeah, everyone's just kind of got a strong feeling with it. But <clears throat> he didn't mention anything in that apology when he tweeted it. He put reflection as his caption. Well, a true reflection, he would have apologized to Kyle, the five team and Hendrick Motorsports for destroying 
a car because yeah. I mean, not only did he destroy one car, he destroyed three. But back to what I was saying about comparing him to Kyle. So if you were not a fan of Kyle Larson after this weekend, I don't know what else Kyle has to do for you to be a fan. Kyle did everything in that situation to prove that he is a champion of the sport. Like yep. he is a champion to a T. He owned up his mistake. He said he should be upset because of that. Um, he didn't retaliate when Bubba was literally in his face shoving him. Yep. He didn't say anything derogatory toward Bubba. I mean, he didn't throw him under the bus, complain about him, nothing. He just, he owned up to his mistake. He said he should be, he had every right to be upset because he did kind of get put on the wall, but yeah, that's just the one thing that I really, really like about Kyle Larson. He is a true champion. And not to bring up the mistake that Kyle made a couple of years ago in the COVID stuff, but this is something that I hope Bubba can apply to himself. Like, I don't know if it was the day after Kyle had his mistake or a couple of days later, but the first yeah. thing Kyle did is he made a video of himself talking to the camera and it was a recorded verbal apology. Yep. And after that, not only did Kyle go through the sensitivity training like he had to, he could have very easily just gone through that and just hoped that he would get a chance at NASCAR again. Yeah. He 100%. traveled the country to learn more about that culture. He got more involved with the Urban Youth Foundation. Yep. And he did everything plus more to not only better himself for the future and learn from his mistake. He actually learned and made himself better from it. And he just did everything that a true champion does to move forward from such a bad situation. And Kyle didn't know if he was going to come back to the cup series. Like he had said in several interviews when he was winning all them sprint car races that he was, had already accepted the fact that he might never be in NASCAR again. Yeah. hundred percent. And that is something that I hope Bubba can apply to himself because everyone's got an opinion of him, but they're oh, obviously yeah. in the cup series for a reason, but Bubba has been known to have a temper issue. And that is something that he needs to work very hard on. And with having an owner of Michael Jordan, um, yeah, he's got a big standard to live up to. Like Michael Jordan has one of the most bulletproof, mentalities on the planet oh yeah that's without saying anything if you've if you haven't watched <clears throat> that series on espn or read any of uh read tim grover's book relentless yes. like that's all it talks about is how michael jordan was he figured out how yes. to win it wasn't that he had all the talent in the world it was that he just worked like non-stop at it and having Michael as an owner, I think it's going to, in the long run, I think it's going to wind up paying off in dividends for Bubba. Cause I can only imagine, like, I wouldn't want to get scolded by MJ. I don't know about you, but no, I can only imagine not. what that conversation was like after the race. And, you know, leading into this next week, cause um, Bubba actually got suspended for this week, which is the other part of this that I wanted to jump into. Um, he got suspended for one race. There was no monetary or, 
points penalty, but it will hurt Bubba himself in the point standings for this week, not being in the race. He's going to have right. to deal with all the repercussions from his sponsors and everybody involved. And it's going to be a big hit. Like if you, if you're, if you miss a race in the cup series, if you're not representing all the teams, all the brands, all the things that you're you know signed up under, that's a big no, no. And for them to suspend him is actually a pretty big deal. Could there have been a monetary fine? Sure. Could there have been points? Yeah, but it's the end of the season and I don't really feel like that's going to matter or anything. Right. And, you know, suspending the crew chief or any other parts of the team, I don't really feel like is, I think, six one six one way, half a dozen the other. I don't really think it means anything at this right. point in the year. But he will get put on, he should get put on some, some form of probation as well. So if he starts acting out or does anything again next season, is where if he starts repeating his actions that you'll you'll probably see him gone for two or three races money points all the nine yards i would imagine because there's been a lot of grief with nascar for not being consistent with penalties for the past couple years and they've just kind of been letting the boys have at it to a different level and not really suspending or doing what they're supposed to be doing you know basically drawing a line and saying hey you guys can you guys are cool to like you know bump each other do whatever rubbin's racing man you know have at it whenever you need to but whenever they start taking each other out like hooking one another uh potentially injuring each other that's when nascar needs to be like no you're not doing this you're out for a week and i don't care what you say that's it this is the line if you cross it you're going to be out again yep do it again and it's going to be worse that's what a lot of people are wanting out of NASCAR as an organization. It's just some sort of like continuity with all the stuff that they've got going on. Cause it seems like if you're a fan, if you watch it and, you know, pay attention to the different podcasts that are out, listen to all the different guys that are out there, you'll see inconsistencies with like each penalty. And then some get appealed, some get approved. Like it's, it's a mess, honestly. And they just need to draw a line, stick to it, be done with it. He does it again. He's out for, a significant amount of time and that's it yeah and there's a couple of things i wanted to add to the bubba situation um so i think bubba should uh take a long hard look at the replays from that and just realize the champion mentality that larson had like bubba was all but punching him in the face and it didn't even seem yeah. to phase kyle like he no. he just kind of brushed it off and went on about his day, and that should intimidate the hell out of Bubba because Kyle could have very easily started swinging at him and defending for himself, but yeah. Kyle's looking at the big picture, which is something Bubba did not do in this entire situation because obviously the main reason he's in that 45 car is because Kurt Busch got hurt and they mm-hmm. wanted the owner's points. So, right. Not only did he not look at the big picture for that, but he could have potentially hurt Kyle really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, walking across the racetrack, which that's there's a real weird gray area with that, but you shouldn't do that. So he didn't look at big right. picture for that. Then he started shoving him, and then he did kind of shove. Then one NASCAR official didn't look big picture for that. He just everything Kyle did in that situation, it's not getting talked about enough because. Kyle literally just showed what it means to be a true champion. And that is something that Bubba really needs to work on because he is known 
for having a temper issue. And I think that is something he needs to work very, very hard on. And that's funny that you mentioned the Tim Grover books, because I kind of wanted to mention those. <laughs> I think those would be very, very good books for Bubba to read in this offseason. Not only would that give him a different perspective of Michael Jordan, but it yep. could be something he could apply to himself and he would start living up to the standard of Michael Jordan. And it would get, that would be a good way for him to move forward from the situation like Kyle did to better himself. Oh yeah. One thing that he's also, I don't know if he's ever been technically like pulled out of the car before or whatever, but the one big difference between the two is Kyle's not going to do anything to get taken out of that race car again. Like he's no, already been there, done not. that, got the t-shirt. He is not going to retaliate. He's not going to do anything. Like he's just going to nope. sit there and take it because he wants to get back in that race car. Cause he had, he basically had his heart ripped out whenever they banned him from the cup series for that. He had his whole season. lifestyle like, taken away. Yeah. And he didn't know if he was going to come back. And I think that that, is the defining thing between the two of them. I don't think Bubba's never been in that situation. He's never been pulled out of the car. He's never been, you know, reprimanded for just, you know, his entire well-being pretty much. Like Kyle got thrown under the bus and raked over the coals nine times over for what happened. And I think it was 2020. And he came back from that. And you're not going to do, he's not going to do anything to get himself taken out of that race car. And I honestly think, I honestly think it was all the extra work that Kyle did outside of just doing the sensitivity training and the apology that got him back to NASCAR. I think if he would have just checked the box, which I don't know what Bubba's actually going to do, but with that apology he did, like I said earlier, it did seem like he was just kind of checking the box. I don't know if that's enough for not only Bubba himself, but the fans to accept him when he comes back because the next bad thing he does i mean that hole just got 40 times deeper oh yeah if he 100%. doesn't if he doesn't progress and get himself better from this situation well one thing that he already didn't have going for him was the fans um i think that was pretty if you ever get a chance if you go look at the comments on any of the posts that had were even remotely related to that incident even some of them that weren't like they posted christopher bell's car on one of the posts and there was like 40 different comments. It was, he needs to be suspended for a race and all sorts of other stuff. The fans spoke in very high numbers whenever he, you know, did what he did on Sunday and he's going to have a tough time winning the ones that he may have had a chance with back. If he's not just, I, he's sick. I call it taking a slice of humble pie, just take a slice of humble pie, admit what you did, admit fault to it, admit, the stuff I know that that's kind of a gray weird area with admitting to the media and stuff like that. You could potentially get suspended more or whatever, but just make it known that you're owning it is what I'm trying to say. Cause that's what everybody wants to hear. That's what people want to see. They want to see you own it and just say, Hey, yep. You know, I screwed up, you know, that is just what happened. And I lost my mind for five minutes, but I'll be back here in a couple of weeks and I'm sorry to everybody like that's involved in this and the fans too, and everything like that, that, one thing would win over a whole bunch of people. You're still going to have the people that just don't like it. Like it's with any race car driver. There's going to be certain people that it doesn't matter if you're Parker Kligerman, like the guy we mentioned earlier, I'm sure there's some people that hate him for no reason whatsoever. Right. And he's not even like high up on the total pole when it comes to drivers and stature and stuff like that. So I did. That's just humility that you got to have for yourself. You got to be able to admit when you're wrong and you got to better yourself from it. You can't just say like all these other drivers say, well, I'm going to learn and get better from it. Well, 
are you actually going to learn and get better from it? <laughs> or are you just saying that because you have to? Right. There's a, there's a huge difference between the two. Um, but man, I think we kind of, yeah, I think we did good with that. Yeah. Well, and I, that's so, just a little bit different perspective that I had on it was the mentality yeah. side of it, just because that's something that I noticed, uh, from Kyle, just because, I mean, that yep. you can't get any more perfect in that situation when you got somebody raging and like shoving you <laughs> around like a rag doll. But yep, pretty much. My thing was, this is this is what I thought was funny. I loved how he was just like he was having at it. Kyle really didn't move. I just thought that was funny. He just kind of stood his ground, and was like, "You don't want none of this, buddy." <laughs> just walk away. <laughs> yeah. But no, I was uh, very impressed with Kyle and very unimpressed yeah. with how Bubba handled that whole situation. And I yeah. don't. I don't, it never needed to escalate to that because Bubba's day wasn't done at that point. No, no he, that's w- what... he wouldn't have been in contention to win anymore, but like his day was not done. No, that's what bothers me the most out of the whole thing is that I, we don't know if his day was done or not. Like we, there's been an issue with the rear toe links breaking in those new cars the entire season, but we don't know if it, anything was gone. Like you didn't hear anything over the radio, nothing. It was just hooking, hooking, go, and then what happened happened. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think he could have kept going just how with how durable those things are with right. certain impacts with like the body, the arrow. It's not going to get screwed up that bad as long as nothing mechanical actually broke in that situation. He would have been good to go. Like I don't, he would have been fine the rest of the day. And he, right. the, what the thing that gets me the most is they were running in the top five. Like I think those two were battling for the lead at that point. It was just like the, it was like just the beginning of the second stage. Like they weren't that far right? into it. Yeah, just I know that it's not in you know racers' nature to do this, but you know in that situation, lift, come back at him. He could if he would have lifted and like taken the exit of the corner a different way he could have just passed it back like right. because I mean, kyle would have lost all his momentum at that point anyways it would have been different if it was at the end of the race and they were like actually going for the win then yeah i probably yeah. wouldn't have lifted either but again like i said earlier that was another big picture moment that he didn't look at like they were so yep. early in the race but no i think we covered that pretty well and i mean it's all that's <laughs> been talked about all week so we probably don't need to yeah keep going on it but don't need to kick that horse anymore. <laughs> no. no, I just, I knew, I knew I had a little bit different perspective to look at it and kind of wanted yeah. to share that. So we both kind of did. I was looking at more of the, like the mentality of Bubba Wallace aside as well. And like how I thought MJ would have reacted just because he's Michael Jordan. You're talking about the greatest basketball player ever. Like right. you're racing for that guy. Right. So Man, we got there's a whole bunch of stuff that happened this past weekend. Um, we've we both have different notes, but I wanted to bring up the Cole Custer thing because I thought that was kind of messed up. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was I don't, that was wild. I that kind of came out of right field. No one was expecting it, and the fact that Tony said that now Cole Custer's just got to wonder. Right. <laughs> well, my brain would be like, well, you got one guy, at least the guy that technically owns the rights to the car once him in the car right. is the thing. <laughs> so if you guys haven't heard about it, um, there was two different perspectives put out for Cole Custer on whether he's going to be back in the number 41 Stewart Haas machine next year. Um, Tony Stewart came out and literally said that he would rather have Ryan Priest in the car, which 
it's understandable with the way that Cole's been running. But you also have Gene Haas, who technically owns and sponsors and funds that car every week that said, no, we want Cole back in that 2023. And I was thinking about this after listening to DBC this week. And I would be so lost if I was Cole Custer because you're sitting there second guessing everything that you've done. And like, you're just kind of, okay, do I actually belong in the cup series? Do I need to start looking, you know, do I still want to race? Do I want to move up with, you know, Haas as a whole, because his dad is really affiliated with Gene Haas incorporated. Um, The way that I I don't know if you want to race, I don't know as though, and I'm not saying he does or doesn't, he's in the cup series for a reason, but there's some guys that whenever they go to cup, it's just too much and they need to go back down to Xfinity and kind of stay there. That's where your um, driver level is at. And there, it's not right or wrong. You're still in, you know, the top three series in NASCAR and you're, you're it's like a win either way. You're, you're going to race Xfinity for Stuart Haas. I look at that as a win still, because like I said, you're in the top three series in motorsports in the United States of America. Like, cup xfinity truck you're not gonna really lose either way it's just how bad he wants to race or not is kind of the way that i was thinking about it because with the way he's been running i think he's out of that car after next year anyways like just looking ahead that's just the way that i think yeah and i agree with you i just they just have not had the performance that they should Mm -mm. but i don't know that would be a very very weird situation to be in (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it'd be different if you said that in like the middle of the year and you could have be like, all right, I still got like almost 20 races to really step up to the plate and really make sure we're maximizing everything every weekend out of this car and yeah. our team. But with three races left, I mean, <laughs> yeah, Cole, Cole could really step up and they could just go give 110% these next three races. But is that enough to change Tony Stewart's mind in three races? I doubt it. I I do too. And he kind of has, it's also Tony Stewart. He's, he knows what he's looking for in drivers. Right. And I just kind of feel like if he thought he was suited for the future with that team, that that statement would have never come out. Like if there was any second guessing that in his brain, that statement would not have happened. And we wouldn't be talking about it right now. And, you know, they're, like I was thinking about this too, that's potentially going to cause a rift between Haas and Stewart as well, because oh, yeah. you disagree on who's going to be in the car. Like that's a big deal. Cause you're talking about like changing sponsorship. You're talking about all the whole team, like from the car driver down, you're going to have to change it all. If you start going with Ryan priest and bring him up. And I don't know, that's just a, that's a messed up situation to be in. Yeah, and hasn't Ryan Priest been like a reserve driver for Stewart all this year? Yes, I think so. He was also wasn't Ryan Priest with uh, uh, Roush for a while? I believe I he so. Was. I don't think he's ever been out of the Fords. I think he's kind of been a Ford guy. But I did hear on the Dale Junior download that they said uh, I think it was the download. They said that Ryan even had an offer on something different than a Ford car in a different series. Oh, really? Yeah. I think it was on the download that they said that. I, th- not, I can't remember. I think it was too. That's like where I get most of my news or at least right. some of it every single week. 
The other guy that does, uh, if you guys want like consistent daily NASCAR news, this is off topic, but his name is Eric Estep on YouTube. He does Out of the Groove. And dude, like that is daily content that's just like news and rumors and everything that's going on. I go to watch it every day and it just keeps you up on, you know, everything that's happening. Yeah. But well, the door pumper clear guys, they, uh, they obviously have a pretty good perspective and they they're in the know with everything that's going on and they don't they don't sugarcoat anything so if you want the <laughs> if you want the honest truth that's where you're gonna get it but no that was that's just good. uh that was a very like out of nowhere situation for cole oh 100 percent. there was a couple of them this past weekend um the other one was mark barton um, was invited yeah. to come down as a grand marshal with the pace car. He got to bring the pace car. It was a car that he won with at Las Vegas at the inaugural race in 1998, which was the number six red, white, and blue Babylon Ford Taurus. That was freaking cool that he brought that car that back was down. Awesome. It's a neat throwback. The fans got a kick out of it. He said all weekend that the fans just absolutely loved him coming back. And what the part that's kind of like, screwy is the fact that like nobody from roush or that sound like really a lot of people didn't come up and at least like say hi shake his hand do anything that you would normally do for a guy that you know basically built i'm gonna just say it he basically built roush um with his driving capabilities and what he did back in the 90s and he's also like a staple guy in the sport if you say mark martin chances are somebody anybody that's been watching for the past 15 years knows who you're talking about yeah, and he's actually his interview on the Dale Junior Downloads one of my all time favorite episodes. That guy, same. Like you need to go listen to it because that guy, he was like a stone cold killer on the racetrack. It was nuts. Oh yeah, well they were talking about it this week that like anytime he was just excited to go out there. He was the first one out to his car. He was yep. the first one on the track. Yep. He would always try to get. P1 in practice, P1 in qualifying, just races hard out every single weekend when they needed help. He would go fix the things. His backstory is phenomenal. Like, just the fact that he even made it to Cup is amazing. Just where he's from, he just started out with nothing. No money, no funding, no nothing. Just worked his ass off for a very long time and then got that Roush ride. And then it all worked out from there. It got tons of Xfinity series wins cup series wins and became one of the fan favorites for a long time yeah and when he made that tweet after the vegas race he straight up said in his tweet i didn't see anybody from roush fenway keselowski this year not a single one of them no that's messed up (laughs) like the team like and they said that uh jack roush was there too and he i don't know how he is i've heard many many different things about that man i have never met him in person so i can't say but evidently he's just different is what i'm gonna say just different yeah i uh that's weird because i thought there was always a really good relationship there and it just i don't know that was pretty disappointing if that actually happened right well, it's one of those things like they were talking about what we talked about last week, too, which was the sport needs to care when these guys come back. They need right. to care about the guys that have been like kind of ghosts because nobody's heard about Mark Barton for a long time. He hasn't no. been around. He's just been doing his own thing. Um, 
his Instagram is actually really cool. He has this giant RV that he travels yeah. the country in with his wife and they'll just post photos of like him in Utah or, you know, out in Florida or wherever in the world they're at at that particular time. And I just really think that the sport as a whole needs to get a lot better at bringing these guys back, showing them that they care and him and everybody else. Like if they're not paying any attention to Mark Martin, how do I, it just makes me wonder how the guys on the pit crews like that are doing it now, the guys that are on the pit crews, the guys that are in the Xfinity series that maybe don't have a top tier ride or the guys in the truck series that are, you know, fighting for 12th every single week. I don't know. It just, it makes me wonder about how they treat all those guys and all those teams and all those people. And I don't know. It just irked me a little bit. I don't, if you're something that's that big, like NASCAR, the entity itself, you need to take care of the guys that built the sport. Number one, like him, he was, a, right. you know, he was a major he was one of the, Yeah. He was one of the dudes in the nineties. Like you had Dale Earnhardt, Jeff Gordon, Mark Martin. That was the guys in the nineties. They got the most wins. Mark Martin, I think, finished second in the standings four different times in that era. And, like, you talk about guys that have a huge reputation for just being badasses. That's one of them. He's a cool cool guy. Yeah, and, I mean, he spent most of his career at Roush. So it would be very, very hard for someone to commit that many years to one single company and then, when you show up and they're all there and you don't get acknowledged by any of them, that would be hard. Yeah. I put something out on the internet too. Like what the heck I'd want to know what was going on. And the only way he's ever going to know is if he calls him out. So like, that's the only way that you'll find out. Cause unfortunately we live in 2022 and the best way to get somebody's attention is to, you know, just kind of do that on the internet. <laughs> I know. It, yeah. It, times have changed, but, I guess. Right. It did get me thinking, though, would be cool is if they like with in a, in a different scenario, they bring back like Adele Jarrett or a bunch of the guys from the 80s that are still around the 70s, like Daryl Waltrip, 80s, Daryl Waltrip, Kelly Arborough, all those guys bring them back for like a handful of races, maybe the crown jewel races like Daytona, like Darlington, like the Coke 600, stuff like that. Bring back cars that won the race if they can find them if it's applicable or something close to it and have them be the you know the grand marshal for the weekend you know show them off to the fans be like hey this is this guy blast everything that you have out on every media channel nascar and fox nascar's channel nascar and nbc you build the hype that like this dude is coming back this weekend and this is who the heck he is if you have never seen or heard of him before like you know, because some people may not know who Daryl Waltrip is other than the Fox announcer. They don't know that he's a three-time champion and dominated part of the 80s and right. was just a really, really good race car driver. They may not know. They don't know Daryl Waltrip is other than the UPS guy. He right. you know, helped start Joe Gibbs Racing. There's a lot of history there. Like, bring those guys back and select races and just build the value with that and get them interacting with the fans, you know, entice things like that. I really think that that'd be a good thing for the sport. Yeah, if they started doing that, like on a yearly, on a yearly level, and they could build a really big uh, production out of that too. Like in the fan zone stuff, they could have the car on display. They could have like an autograph signing. I mean, they could do on that trackside yeah. live that they do. They could have them do an interview up there. I mean, they could just make a huge event out of that one driver coming back, and that's going to do nothing but bring back some of the older fans as well. 
Oh yeah, hundred percent. Especially if it's somebody that was incredibly popular. Um, and I'm not knocking on any of the drivers that maybe didn't get the fan appreciation that they deserve. I'm just saying, like, if you brought back one of Jeff Gordon's Rainbow Warrior cars from the '90s that seemed like one every weekend back to a Darlington race or something like that and had him signing autographs. Like what you said last week, there'd be people lined up well past wherever, you know, you could see over the sunset to come get a Jeff Gordon autograph just because he's still that popular. Dale Earnhardt Jr., Jimmy Johnson, bring back a bunch of these guys that everybody still knows and start doing that kind of stuff with it. Yeah. And that's funny. That just made me think you mentioned uh, Jimmy Johnson. So he's an, I think he officially announced that he's not running full-time IndyCar next year. So Really? Yeah. I think uh I think Connor Daly was talking about that on the Speed Street podcast as well, but um I think it's really cool because I think Jimmy's going to do some really cool stuff and I think it's going to get him more involved with NASCAR stuff and you may end up seeing him in a cup car again. That would be awesome. It's good. it would be interesting to see how he reacts to the next-gen car because that has to be a wild ride if you've never been in one before. And the oh, last yeah. thing he was in was the Gen 6, which is, and he wasn't in the, like, the slowed up Gen 6 car. He was in the, you know, 800, he was in the 750 plus horsepower slobber knocker, 200 mile an hour going to the turn, <laughs> like fun car to drive. Yeah. And then he's going to go to the next gen, which ha- it's weird that the next gen has more, much more corner speed than like the Gen 6 did, but the Gen 6 was just a faster car. Yeah. At least for right now. Yeah. Well, and who knows what they're going to do for changes next year. But uh, I think that would be really cool to see Jimmy come back and get in a stock car again. And But, yeah. Well, now they got all the talk about Kyle Busch possibly doing the Indy 500. I heard about that. They, and it's uh, because he's going to be, it's because he's going to be with Chevrolet and he's going to do it with one of the teams, I guess. Yeah. And I don't know if it's actually true or not. It could have just been somebody being funny on the internet and right. made a <laughs> made kind of a similar announcement post that um, that Larson had got permission to look more into an Indy 500 ride. But whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I know the Kyle Busch one's been a talk for a while now. Oh, yeah. And based on how him and his brother are pretty similar and dissimilar at the same time they right. they both have the ability what i'm getting at is to get in anything and just drive the wheels off of it it doesn't mm-hmm. matter the raw driver talent is there with both of them i've said that about kyle bush for a long time and everybody's like oh i hate kyle bush i hate kyle bush i'm like yeah his personality right? sucks sometimes but i'm like <laughs> if you look at the driver kyle bush that guy can wheel anything yeah absolutely cool. anything you put him in he will be fast Oh, 100%. There's a reason he has, what, 224 combined wins in all three series now? Yeah, it's It's a, it's a stupid number, which is, like, if you compare that to, and I don't know how you feel about this, but I think that it's comparable to Richard Petty's 200. I know a lot of people don't agree with that, but the reason I say that is because back in the day, they were also running, like, a bunch of races that, were sanctioned unsanctioned stuff like that and they still counted as wins but he was racing against guys that didn't have anywhere near the car he would have had back then and it's kind of like kyle racing in the truck series like he's bringing when he brings his truck or that xfinity car i just remember that thing 
especially the Xfinity series. I just remember them unloading that thing and just being three tenths of a second faster than everybody the whole weekend. There, it was like if he unloaded, you might as well just race for second because you're just freaking done at that point. Unless he wrecks or something happens or whatever, he was winning that race no matter what. Especially in like the early 2010s is when it was really prevalent when he was winning like 12 to 15 races a year. Yeah, it was incredible to say the least but i mean he's still kind of that way with the truck series anytime he shows up like he is like a top three truck guaranteed yeah unless something crazy happens you're basically racing and you're basically racing for either second or hopefully like if something happens you might win but chances are if he shows up if they unload fast he's you're not going to touch him the entire weekend yeah i mean he is an absolute wheel man and kurt was the same way i mean kurt ran the 500 once and he, I can't remember what he finished, but it was like a top 10 or a top five or something crazy like that. It was nuts. I think he got sixth. I saw it stat the other day because they were going yeah. over his career and stuff on one of the videos I was watching. I think it was sixth. I could be wrong, give or take a couple positions, but I'm pretty sure it was sixth. Yeah, and there's not very many guys that could do that. No, heck no. Like Tony Stewart's tried doing it. I don't think he got anywhere near that position. So like whenever he tried doing the, 8500 and the coke 600 the same day doing that crazy weekend thing yeah i don't think he i don't think he approached the top 15 if i remember right i don't know 100 percent. i just don't remember hearing that much about it but dude kyle there's stories that go around about kyle um not only being a wheel man but he knows how to fix everything he knows how to work on his stuff he knows everything mechanically about it and like there's been i was in I was on a truck team in 2014 as like volunteer and we were at, I think it was Iowa Speedway. And I just remember hearing rumors in the garage, like, well, there he goes again. He about fired his whole crew and he's out (laughs) underneath the truck (laughs) because they couldn't get it the way that he wanted it. I was like, wow, that's aggressive. Sure enough, he got that thing tuned up and he was just gone. Like couldn't catch him the entire weekend. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's looking for. And that's a huge advantage and why he has 200 plus wins. Like, that's just crazy to me that he can do the whole thing if he wants to. Yeah. Well, and that's that's another subject that I could go on a tangent on for a while. But um, do you remember <laughs> when they did the prelude to the dream, the charity late model race at Eldora? Yeah. Um, Kyle Busch was one of the only drivers there that you would see rolling around in the dirt on the ground working on the car in between heat races and B mains and all that stuff. And that was cool. And I remember seeing that as a little kid and I was like, that is awesome. You never see the drivers working on their stuff and to see Kyle literally rolling around in the dirt and the grease and the oil. And he's working on this thing, changing gears, adjusting shocks, all that (laughs) stuff. He's there doing it all. Well, and you know, he's really involved with uh, Brexton stuff too. Cause Oh yeah. That kid's got like, I think it was on one of the Clint Boyer episodes of the download. He was like, that kid's got freaking telemetry on his car. What the <laughs> heck? He already knows how to read that crap. I don't even know how to read it. He just went on a Boyer tangent. I thought it yeah. was funny. It's uh, it's definitely something that is a lost, almost a lost cause. It can still come back, but it is getting, uh, it's going more and more to the wayside. The younger and younger drivers that are coming up, you just don't see it anymore and that's something that really bothers me i think it would really especially with this car um i think it would be an advantage if they knew how to you know fix it tune it work on it and all the things because 
you're basically all within the same base. You're all within the same basic setup is what I was trying to get at because all these parts are made by NASCAR. They have control over the manufacturing process and everything like that. So if you can learn everything you can about the car, you might be more in tune with what's going on out on the track. Like if it's doing this, okay, cool with this, we need to take two rounds out or lower air pressure in the right rear. Like, I don't know. I'm just making stuff up as I go, but I'm just saying you might be able to learn the car. Once you learn the car, you might be able to learn what it's going to do on the track better. Kind of like what Rusty Wallace, Dale Earnhardt and those guys knew how to do back in the day. They were like, well, they were the crew chief back then. They were more or less telling the crew chiefs what to do. And they'd be like, well, we need to pull that spring out, put the 1100 in the left front, blah, 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 small sway bar. Like we're going to do it this way. If you don't like it, there's a door. Just leave. Yeah. Well, and I just, I think it's very important for you to know, like, all the components on your car and what everything does and how one adjustment, what, like, on a four-link rear end on a late model, you can, if you know what all the different bars do, you can be like, all right, I want the left rear bar to go up a hole or I want to go down a hole. Like, you know in your head what that adjustment's going to do for you. But that's also better for your crew chief because you can pass that information on because you already know what adjustment you want. That takes the thinking out of that for them. I'm not saying you need to know everything about it, but you should know something. Unless you're one of these uh, generational talents like Kyle Larson, he openly admits all the time that he really doesn't know what's going on with the cars. Yeah, well, that's like what Gordon used to say all the time. He knew what he was racing whenever he was on dirt, but he had – no idea what was underneath the cup car like he just trusted ray evernham and he was like yes sir all right we're gonna go run it (laughs) yeah well uh and like in the midgets uh i think it was an interview we did at the chili bowl one time like they said he didn't even run uh shock adjusters remote adjusters in the car because you can have up to eight adjusters in the car you can adjust rebound or compression so you could have eight knobs that's absurd but (laughs) i think i think he said he didn't even run any adjusters in there because he didn't know like what the adjustment would do or how to do it. So he's like, I just know that Paul Silva will set it up and I just know how to make it work. Right. (laughs) That's very, very rare. Yeah. It, you don't really find that that much anymore. I can't remember that was on a meme or something that I read earlier this week that the drivers need to start learning more about the car so that they, it had to do with respecting the car. I can't remember where I read that from, but Might have it may have been post. your post. I think actually, it was probably the post I made. Yeah, it was just about respecting the car. If you have more involved, if you're you know turning wrenches on it and putting time into it, maybe you'll respect it more, and you won't you know cause accidents or wreck people or other you know vice versa or all the above. Yeah, and it's just it's something that's bothered me forever because even if I would have grown up with a very very wealthy backbone and we could have had the nicest of everything and could have been paid to drive whatever i i think i still would have wanted to be involved with it but like we my dad and i basically have done everything ourselves forever so yeah like i get to know every inch of the car i have to know how the engine works i have to know all these adjustments and everything and i just it's something that is going away and it's very obvious. Like I experienced mm-hmm. it running with some of the national midget stuff and some, of some of the younger drivers, they're very smart. They're very good drivers. They race clean, but there's also the ones that just show up and race and 
really don't care if they wad a car up. Like there's been yeah. several races I've been in where they just throw a dive bomb slider at you and they miss by a mile <laughs> and they hit you right in the side and it wads your car up. And for my situation, I have to go back and I have to fix it to get back out on the track. Yeah. And it just, it's something that's always bothered me. And I think it's something that really needs to be enforced a lot more with these younger kids coming up because that's, what's going to make the sport stronger. Oh yeah. hundred percent. They'll also be able to communicate so much better. You like just to, <clears throat> excuse me, being around some of the terminology and then learning how to do chassis setup was one of the biggest things that I wanted to learn whenever I was helping out with that team. And we would, get the truck hooked up to the pull down rig, do bump steer and do all sorts of other stuff. I had no idea what that meant at first. I was like, what the heck is bump steer? What do you need to do that for? It, it made sense whenever they explained it, but I was like, Oh, that's what it does. But just that revelation of what's going on and how, <clears throat> excuse me, whenever you change anything on the car, what it affects, why it affects it is the two biggest things. Whenever you do change, you know, track bar, whatever tire pressures, cat um stagger whenever you're doing all the stuff what does it actually affect what are you doing to the balance of the car what are you doing to how are you changing it from this angle like what are you going to do whenever you do quarter entry what are you going to what is this going to do to quarter exit how's it going to preload the springs how's it going to do x y and z like all these different things and these guys have not a clue like it's loose <laughs> yeah <laughs> is what you get or what you're on the radio it's loose well so what's it doing? It's loose. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that, man. Like, yeah. It's t it's plowing in the corner. Okay. Well, what's going on? It's plowing. All right. Well, all right. We'll, we'll figure it out, I guess. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> well, and having more respect for the cars, you get that through working on the cars because you know how much time and effort goes into preparing a car to go racing. And you drive yep. with that in the back of your mind that, hey, if I make this really aggressive move, like I could potentially wad my car up. It's going to cost us probably thousands of dollars and we could miss a race or we got to go back yeah. and we got to work on this thing. But it, I think it makes you a better driver because it teaches you how to drive, to get the most out of your car yep. without just going in blazing and just making an aggressive move and hoping it sticks. Yeah. And what you're talking about, if you guys have a chance, go watch, any final 10 laps of a truck series race that ended in like a green white checkered or Xfinity series or one of those two, even cup to a certain degree, but in truck series, especially um, they get talked about all the time for basically being called a wreck fest. Like you, you, you just got to hope and pray once you go into turn one and they start diving five deep that you make it back out. And then, you know, you might get to finish the race they, I hear DBC and a whole bunch of other guys talk about that all the time. And, I really do truly feel that if those guys had a little bit more respect for the trucks and I'm saying, I'm not saying that they don't, I'm just, you know, saying what we're talking about. I really do feel like if they had to put the time in, if they had to put all the effort into building those things every single week, like what I saw guys do with the team that I worked on, it wasn't just that they raced the truck. They built the freaking truck from the ground up from nothing to what you would see racing on Friday nights or Saturdays. And Whenever we would get wadded up in an accident or something like that, he would be next level mad. And I'm talking like you could talk to him. We were just basically it was stone cold silence the whole way back home most of the time. And it was justifiable because he had, you know, I don't even want to know how many hours into building that thing. And you'd see somebody else like 
on a bigger team wide up their truck and they just didn't eh, we got another one it's fine that's the difference that's what i'm talking about you yeah. would be able to you would respect that corner entry you would respect the people around you a lot more and maybe you wouldn't see you know 10 cautions in less than six laps in the truck series or some of these right lower series because these kids would just like they'd be like oh crap i gotta fix this on monday if i screw this up so we're gonna we're gonna race this guy clean yeah and i mean it's some of these younger kids that are in some of the national dirt series stuff they just they will make a bonehead move and it's just like another yeah. walk in the park i mean it's no big deal the crew guys will fix it or whatever but I just, I wasn't brought up that way and I won't ever be that way. I respect the cars because I know how much time and money goes into them. But, uh, yeah, just having that respect, it prevents you from making a bonehead move like consistently. Yeah. You'll, everybody does. No driver's perfect. They're going to make a bonehead move every once in a while, but it definitely oh, decreases the frequency of it when you have respect <laughs> for the car right? It's not like an every week thing. It's a once or twice every six weeks type of thing. Yeah, instead these, of like these cars every are expensive, weekend. extremely Dude. expensive, especially these new cup cars. Like that was another thing that kind of drove me nuts. Like, right. Not only did Bubba wad up one car, he wadded up three cars. And I heard yes. Corey LaJoy say a while ago, he's like, these are $300,000 cars. So you're telling me that because of emotion, he just, almost did three quarter million dollars worth of damage by walking yeah. up three cars. That's a lot of yeah. money. It, it's a, it's a dumb amount of money is what it is. And that transpires all the way down into like your basic dirt cars. It's not like racing is cheap. Whenever you get down to the lower levels, it's a different kind of expensive. So it's expensive to run cup. Absolutely. It's expensive to sponsor those cars. Absolutely. It's expensive for you to go run your car. It's all oh, yeah. like, it's all, it's like whenever you're working out with somebody that you think, like if you're doing, and this is just an example, if you're doing like a CrossFit or a strength training workout with somebody that's just on a different level than you, it's the same concept. That guy is working out as hard as he can, which may be on a different level than you, but that doesn't mean it's not hard. Right. It's still hard. It's still hard for you to go build your car and do the things. It's still expensive for you because you're on a different level than the cup guys. It's all relative. Those guys have this budget. You have this budget. The dirt track guys have a much lower budget, but it's expensive to them because they're putting their paychecks. They're putting like extra, they work extra hours, extra yep. money into these cars to go do this stuff. Well, and the thing and, is nobody wants to work on a wrecked race car. Like nobody wants, <laughs> nobody wants to go to the track and, wad a car up just to work on it all week to go up and potentially do it the next week they want to be able to go race have a clean race right. bring the car home do the regular maintenance and then go racing again the next weekend yep clean it up and just make sure everything's tight and you're good to go like that oh my gosh you're talking about one of some of my worst nightmares was whenever we would get wadded up in one of the trucks and i say we just because i wasn't driving i wish i was driving but i wasn't driving i'd see the truck come back and i'd look at you know everything that was bent the suspension and all sorts of other stuff and they'd be like ah, all right well i guess we're fixing that this week sweet cool yeah i uh i actually got a got a quick story with that too so uh <laughs> in 2018 a good family friend of ours and i've raced with him for a lot of years now uh i worked for johnny spa here and he's local here and i worked in a shop uh pretty much the whole summer of 2018 and i was basically doing he housed uh 
two asphalt lane models and I basically just did all the maintenance on them every week and got them ready to go racing. And like, I helped them scale it and I did all the maintenance, pretty much did all the maintenance myself, but this yeah. one car, um, man, it was four weeks in a row. I had to put a bumper and a nose on the car four weeks in a row. He would wadded it up and tore the nose off of it. And every time I would get to work on Monday, I'd be like, you've got to be kidding me. I just <laughs> rebuilt that front end four weeks in a row. Complete like, front man, end that rebuild. Was new. <laughs> I know. I was just like, oh man, this guy's killing me. You're sitting there going, what are you doing out there? Just wh whatever you did, stop it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I thought after the first two weeks, I'm like, all right, it must be a coincidence or something. And then it was the third week and I was like, oh my God. And then all of a sudden it was the fourth <laughs> week. I'm like, this has got to stop. <laughs> like, You're sitting there going, I want to be able drive. to just maintenance his car <laughs> so I can get back to helping Johnny build his dirt cars because he's a chassis builder. He builds dirt stock cars. Yeah. And I was like, I want to because it should only take me like a day or two to get the maintenance done on both of these house cars. So then I can go back to helping him get these new chassis built. But no, I was spending a whole month rebuilding the same thing on the same car. It drove me nuts. <laughs> at least you got good at it though. Oh yeah. Repetition. I mean, I could get it put together pretty quick, but it's just like so frustrating, but that's the, that's something that a lot of these younger drivers don't get to experience. Like they just yeah. go home after the race and then they just, the only time they see the car is when they're at the track the next weekend. Exactly. And we've been talking about that side of it. I really think that there's, when you build your own stuff and you get to see it out on the track and you're running good and everything's working right, there is so much joy that comes from that. So much appreciation. I just remember some of the races that we went to and if we would get, you know, it was a, we were a 15 to 22nd place truck. Like it wasn't anything it, we didn't have the funds to be super fast. So we just did the best that we could. And anytime that we would get, get past that point where you were racing. So like, if you knew you were racing from 15th to 20th every single week and you're fighting the same five guys, if we could get up to 12th or 10th, oh, like yeah. somewhere around there, we were all ecstatic. We were like, all right, guys, we're not going to screw up the pit stops. We're going to do amazing the next three rounds and we're just going to get after it. And this is, this is so much fun. And I loved seeing the expression on his face after a really good run because he was the one that had the most time in the truck all the time, the body, the chassis, everything. I just mm -hmm. wouldn't help whenever I could. And man, it was just so cool to see that. And you don't see that with a bunch of the drivers and that'd just be, that'd be a, that's a thing that I wish that they could appreciate or get to appreciate. I know we've been talking about the one side of it, but the appreciation of what you built and just, like getting to sit back and be like, yep, I did that. Especially if you like, if you're Kyle Busch and you go win. Yeah, I went and built that and I went and won. So there you go. Yeah. There's so much pride to be had with building your own car. Like every car that we've ever had and even our go-karts, like when I was younger, obviously my dad did most of the work. I mean, I helped, but I was just a young kid racing, but all of our big car stuff, I mean, him and I, we basically built all these cars from the ground up. And then when you yeah. see it, when it's ready to go race and you're like, man, that is one of the coolest things in the world. When you open the garage door, when you get home from work or from school or whatever it was, and you see a really nice race car sitting there, it is one of the coolest feelings in the world for sure. It's almost cooler than driving them. Oh, that's awesome. That's the same, like whenever we'd open the door to the race shop, that was the same way I felt, especially if it was sitting up on the, especially like my favorite position the truck would be in is if it was sitting 
there was a couple different garage doors, but if it was sitting halfway up on the pull down rig, not set up yet, not like, you know, hooked up to the rig or anything like that. But if it was halfway up in the air, as soon as you open that door, all you would see was that Silverado and then the hood and then the white finish and then the orange sides. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. I wish I could wake up to this every day. This is cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like every time I walk in my garage here, I got my midget sitting right behind me. Yeah. Like I built this car shortly after I bought this house. So I basically built this thing from absolutely nothing in an empty garage. And now every time I walk in here, I got a really nice race car sitting here. And that's one of my favorite things during race season. Even when I still lived at home and we would have two or three cars. I mean, at one point we had two, we had a modified and a late model in my dad's garage. It was just, it was nuts. That's awesome. <laughs> but when you got the doors open and you got it out in the driveway, you're washing it or you're working on it and you got the doors open, music going. I mean, people drive by, they stop. Uh, you see neighbor kids, they come running over because they want to look at the race cars. And then you have some of the neighbors, like there's a, there's an older lady that lives across the street from my dad. She asked my dad all the time, when are you going to start that race car up? When are you going to start that race car up? <laughs> but I mean, it's just, it's so cool because you get people more involved with it. And I don't know, just seeing a race car, it's not something you see every day. And they're just really cool. Right. Well, it's like that guy at the gas station that's got the Lamborghini and all the kids run up and they're all excited oh, yeah. about it. You, you've got that thing. sitting in your garage. Yeah. It's the same level of excitement and everything. And you never know what kid is going to look at that and be like, you know what? I want to do that too. So everybody that takes the time to interact, and this is something that we talked about last week, interact with the fans and everything like, or just, you know, people that are walking down the road, or if you're at a local dirt track, just hanging out with the crowd and stuff like that, you never know who you're inspiring to go do it. It's like the next generation of driver. Mm -hmm. And I just think that's so cool that all the dirt track series, dirt track is getting more and more popular. Oh, and yeah. I think that is awesome. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up, that's all I've ever raced is dirt and yep. just everybody, all the different drivers, all the different cars, just everything at your local dirt track. I mean, you just, you can't hardly beat the atmosphere <laughs> there. I mean, everybody there, there's, you got your regular weekend warriors. You got your guys that are actually points racing. And then if it's like a bigger national show, you got like the top tier guys. And I mean, it's just so cool because it's just at a local dirt track. And most local dirt tracks are just at a small town in the middle of nowhere. Or right. like here in Iowa, there's like a racetrack at almost every county fairground. So it's just that's why I love this sport. Same. Well, it used to be that way. I live like around St. Louis area in Missouri, and we used to have a ton of dirt track asphalt tracks and stuff like that we still got peevely we've got over across the river we got a couple tracks over there but a lot of them have dried up and they just got turned into like rv parks and all sorts of other stuff and i really wish that they would put more emphasis into resurrecting this and making it more attainable for people to do because there's so much it's kind of like any other sport there's so much to be learned from race cars the work ethic that goes into building them you got to keep trying to get better every week you got to adjust you got to stay humble and know that you're not the best guy out there yeah try to get better all the time and i just i love that aspect of it and i wish that more people would get hooked on it is yeah. the thing because like once you're in you're kind of in kind of like you and I. I i never got to race but ever since i was like four i've been in because i yeah. saw that 24 car 
And for whatever reason, I thought it was cool watching Jeff Gordon race. I never missed like a Sunday afternoon race and I was just in, and it led into going to the local dirt tracks, going to like any different type of motorsport. Once you hear the motors fire up, you're just, you're in, you're ready to rock and roll. Oh yeah. Well, and I started racing dirt modifieds when I was 12 years old and there would always be people that would, uh, ask my dad, they're like, man, how do you send your, how do you send your kid out there that young (laughs) in this super fast race car? It's like so dangerous. And my dad's one of my favorite responses he's ever told people is he's like, because I know where my kid's at every weekend. He said, he's not out getting in trouble. We're at the racetrack. We're working on the cars. We're racing. I know what he's doing. And I think that was a lot of why he got us into racing. Even my sister, when we raced carts, he got my sister into it too. And he's like, "I, I know where my kids are every weekend. He said, we have the whole family at the track. I know what they're doing. And that's, I don't know. I, it's no different than any other sport, but I just, I think the family aspect of racing is a little bit different just because you work on your stuff all week and you know what you're doing on the weekend and you're not out getting in trouble or doing dumb stuff. And you're learning so many life lessons along the way. And actually, I had this idea today when we get a little later on down the road with this show, I think my dad would be a really cool guest on here because yeah, that way, obviously the listeners, they could get a little bit more background of my story because my first few years of go-karts, I really don't remember that much. <laughs> so he would be a very good one to touch on that because I started racing carts when I was five. So I don't even remember when my memories first start. So I think right. it'd be really cool. And then he could give a little bit more insight of how we've raced forever, building all the cars ourselves and doing all that stuff. Yep. I, I think it would be really cool. That'd be a cool perspective on like the, the, the dad perspective of everything. Like you're helping do the thing. You're watching them do the thing. You got to worry about them doing the thing. Yeah. And <laughs> all the other aspects of that, how you manage family life on top of race cars and everything else, how you figure out how to fund it and the whole nine yards. Like I, I think that'd be a cool conversation. We definitely got to do that. Yeah, no, I, uh, I think he would, I think he'd enjoy it because he, uh, he did a little bit of racing himself in uh, like the night. Oh, that's awesome. So that'd be really cool. And maybe we can get him to open up and talk a little bit about my wreck last year because he hasn't really ever said anything about that. So I Oh, think, really? No, not really. I, I've had people tell me how he's talked about it before and like talks about how it freaked him out and everything. And I'm like, well, I'm sure it did. But oh, I just, yeah. I've, he hasn't really ever said much to me about it. So. I think it'd be cool to hear his side of that too, to see like this whole crazy last two years that I've had to where I had that super bad wreck last year. I was literally off work a month because of my concussion and my compression fractures in my back. And then literally six months later, we're in Tulsa for the chili bowl for the second year in a row. And then we're on a plane flying to Daytona to test in the ARCA car and then flying back to the chili bowl. And then I run that ARCA race at Iowa this year. I just, I think it'd be kind of cool to hear his perspective on that too. Just because that'd be pretty neat. The last two years have been freaking nuts. Oh yeah. hundred percent. We've talked about it at like it 
length for a while. Oh yeah. Just how crazy it is. But dude, that'd be a fun show. We need to get him on for sure. Yeah. And I can probably make that happen anytime. <laughs> well, sweet. Um, man, I was going to ask you, so we kind of skipped, we're trying to break this up into stages um, and we'll get better at it as we go along. But uh, basically stage one will be talking about recap of the past weekend. Stage two will just be kind of open. And then stage three, I think it'd be safe to say should just probably be like our picks for the upcoming week and what we think about the race coming up. Yeah. So I don't mean to, I don't mean to jump ship, but we're like, we're a little ways into the show (laughs) already. Well, I think it helped that we weren't on zoom. So we didn't have to like hurry up and end a segment. So (laughs) it gave us too much freedom. (laughs) Right. I didn't even realize like if you've never done a zoom, like multiple zoom calls before and had to record it, had to try to break it up and all sorts of other stuff. It's like a whole nother animal. It makes it kind of easy for you, but at the same time, it's like, man, I got to splice these two things together and hope to God that doesn't sound weird between the two and hope the audio sounds the same for the most part and stuff. And yeah, but man, what do you think about uh, all three series going to Homestead this weekend? That's going to be cool. Uh, That's definitely a bucket list track for me because being a dirt guy, I'm sure at some point when I get more into the, nascar stuff i'm gonna learn how to run the wall and yeah i always i love i love running the cushion i think running the wall would be really cool and that's something that they do a lot at homestead so that's always been a bucket list track for me and hopefully i can get there soon but no that's gonna be cool see all three series there i wish they could go to homestead twice a year to be completely honest i would uh, this is gonna this is just how i feel i really wish that they would just leave the finale at homestead I feel the same because way. I think that they've ended the season at Homestead long enough that it's kind of like a it's a thing, and people look forward to it. People take that weekend off every year, stuff like right. that. And I feel like the I've never been to Phoenix, but um, I feel like the venue is more suited for like a championship type weekend. Like you're in Florida, you're in a really nice area. It's freaking right outside of Miami. Like, dude, you're you're in a classic car capital of the world. Not a whole lot of people know that, but around yep. that area, yep. there's tons of cool stuff riding around. Um, it's just not all about Miami. There's like auto clubs, shows galore going on down there all the time, and it's a lot of fun down there. Yeah, and it'd just be kind of cool because they always used to – you would start the season in Florida at Daytona, and then you finish the season in – homestead at the end of the year so yep there's continuity uh, yeah and it was just it was that for so long like people that you would have nascar championship parties be like hey they're going to homestead we're having a party for it and right i don't know i mean phoenix i think phoenix race is okay um i don't know we'll see it might get better i i don't know yeah but i i definitely do miss it being at homestead same. I felt like the racing was definitely better at Homestead, just from like a being able to search multiple grooves, being able to, you know, adjust on your car. Like you would have people that would be running fifth for half the race, come up and win sometimes. And I just felt, I feel like the racing is just better at Homestead. There's more room to, gr- there's more room to go. Basically. Yeah. And I don't know how sold I am on all these dog legs at all these tracks either. I'm more of a traditional oval type guy just Same. because that's what I grew up on. Yeah, but 
Dude, I, I like know. watching the speaking of that, I like watching the old Atlanta races. I don't know if you ever gotten to see any of yeah. those before they changed yeah. the configuration. Yeah. But they used to end at Atlanta every year was the old track that they would, you know, end the season at. And mm-hmm. it was a traditional over oval for a while. And I just thought that, that racing was awesome. Like it had some of the wildest races that people still talk about to this day, like 1992 and a couple other seasons. And I just feel like Homestead's kind of the same way. The racing there is just awesome. Yeah. And I just, I think traditional ovals, I think they just race better, honestly. I mean, the super speedways and the tri-ovals, yeah. I mean, it's, it is what it is. They're all locked in freight train racing anyways, but I just, I don't know about all these dog legs, especially at like the mile and a half. So I don't, I don't know how much I care for them. Even when I do them on, uh, on iRacing on the simulator, I just, I don't know. I don't really care for them all that much, but yeah, maybe if I get to do the real thing, my mind might change, but <laughs> I don't know. I also just feel like it's really redundant doing the dog leg because they have it at a whole bunch of different tracks and mile and a half make up a decent chunk of the schedule. And I feel like mm-hmm. they all are decently similar to each other as far as the right. configuration goes. Right. Like, the only one that's like an oddball would be Chicagoland because you're you're technically in a turn down the entire backstretch. Right. It's like offset a, l- a couple degrees to the left, so you're technically turning down the whole backstretch. But yeah. I just feel like that the traditional oval ovals, like you said, do race better than the dog legs. Right, and uh, Kansas runs pretty good for being a mile and a half, and it's just yeah. kind of a tri oval ish, I guess. Yeah, and it races. That's a good. fun racetrack. I know I was supposed to race it this year, but it didn't work out. But next <laughs> it'll year it'll work out this year. Oh yeah. Or next year. So, but man, I think it's going to be cool having all three series down in Miami this weekend. It's for always sure. good. I feel like for the trucks, especially because they never get the recognition that they deserve because the truck racing is just awesome. Like It is. It's some of the best. It always has been. I mean, obviously oh, Xfinity this year just kind of blew up, but, um, traditionally the trucks are some of the best racing oh yeah that was the one thing that i always loved about whenever they came to gateway is that you could introduce people to the sport at a very high level because i felt like the the truck series race was always the most exciting yeah because people want wrecks they want the you know what they want the drama they want all the nonsense that goes on i like a clean race personally but i understand why people like having a bunch of wrecks in it as well trust me i prefer clean races too (laughs) (laughs) we just had a whole discussion about that so you haven't figured it out yet we don't like wrecking race cars (laughs) no not one bit not even a little bit trust me my dad doesn't either (laughs) no and we got to get him on the show after a little bit definitely that i'm gonna make a note about that we got to do that but I don't know about you, but I traditionally just go with like for truck series picks. I just usually go with a KBM truck or yep. GMS or somebody like that. So I chose John Hunter Nemechek this weekend to pick the truck series race. He always seems to race well at the larger tracks like that. So I think he'll be up there and I think he's going to knock it out. Yeah. John Hunter is always a good pick. Um, he's actually filling in for Bubba this weekend. So. That'll be yeah. interesting to see how he does with the next-gen car. But uh, I'm going to go with a guy that I think got his opportunity way later than he ever should have um, because he is another one of those just raw, talented guys. Definitely going to go with Ty Majeski. That guy, Ooh. 
he, uh, like I said, I think he got his opportunity way later than he should have because he's just, yeah, he's good. He's really good. Yeah, he's like a Josh. He he's very he reminds me of Josh Berry. Yes, like, they're very you never, similar. You never knew who he was till he got into the series, and then now that he's in, you're like, who's that guy? Why is he up front like every week in that truck? It doesn't make like because he's not in you know premium equipment. He's in a you know tenth place truck, give or take a little bit i feel like anyways and he's won this year already so i think that's awesome speaking of i just go help he pulled that off yeah himself locked in that's awesome he is the truck series is so weird and we talked about this earlier they're so spread apart with the amount of races that they have because they're on a very limited schedule compared to xfinity and cup so they're doing like 20 I think it's 22, 24 races a year, yeah, something, something like, like that. that. And it's hard to keep up with them. So I never know. Like, I think Ty's actually leading the points right now. That's very possible. Like, I don't even know that either. I, I honestly yeah. feel like the trucks haven't raced in like three months, but it hasn't been that right? long. That's <laughs> what it feels like. They just don't well, get talked about enough. I don't feel that bad because the DBC guys get lost on it too. And they're at the freaking track every week. So I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel that bad for being kind of lost on it. But one of the um, dark horses that I do have would be um, uh, Zane Smith. I was trying to think yeah. of that name. Yeah. Watch out for Zane Smith and then watch for the GMS trucks because they're usually yes. pretty quick at mile and a half. Mm-hmm. So, and they're getting ready to announce a new uh, driver for next season. Actually, it should be really? next week. They'll announce a new driver for one of their trucks. Yeah. Cool. That'd be awesome. Yeah. I like GMS a lot. And, I always have. I've liked them for quite a while, and they did really well with Shelton Creed, I felt like. Yes. He won the championship with them and won quite a few races in that truck, and they just turn out good equipment, which is, mm-hmm. you know, it's hard to come by. It's usually just KBM, Thor Sport, and that's about it in the truck yeah. series, and that's all you ever hear about. No, I, Petty GMS, they got good stuff going on. Yes, sir. I'm excited to see where that goes next season with Noah and Eric Jones. Yeah. Dude. Noah's a character, man. (laughs) And they're both just amazing racing talents. Like, yes, I I looked at, I saw a stat this weekend that Eric Jones has gotten more top tens this year than he even did whenever he was with Gibbs. He is a very, very, very underrated driver. Oh yeah. Once that equipment catches up, cause they're paired up with, um, they're paired up with RCR, aren't they? Uh, I believe As far so. as engines and stuff like so. that goes, they have some support Actually, there. I think their shops are like across the street from each other. Really? <laughs> I think so. I could be wrong. I'm not sure. We need to make that a goal to uh, go there together and just kind of yeah. venture around yeah. that area. That'd be fun. But, man, what'd you think? We didn't really cover the Xfinity race. Would you? AJ had a rough weekend last weekend yes he did speaking of xfinity yeah um definitely did not go as well as i thought it would for aj because he was he was my pick last week but i did see a stat for him that they showed on the broadcast during the cup race he was at like 11 straight top tens yeah that's nuts is it which is insane. <laughs> yeah, and I mean they're not all back to back because he hasn't ran the full season, but the eleven last eleven cup races he's ran in, they were all top tens. That's crazy. 
it's it just goes to show he's going to be a contender oh, next yeah. year in Cup. He's going to be they better, very good. Those college cars are going to be fast. Like Justin Haley, I, look how good of yeah. a day he had. And they're not even supposed to be there. No, like, is the thing they're running limited schedules and new equipment, all sorts of other stuff. And dude, they're going to be contenders next year. I know we're kind of jumping ship, but like, dude, I'm going to watch out for Petty GMS next year. I think Eric Jones is going to be strong. Mm-hmm. I really, really think that AJ is going to win like three or four races next year in Cup. I just, I see that happening. I see him being a front runner oh, yeah. in the playoffs, and I just see that team dominating just with that dynamic that they have mm-hmm. and the hender cars they're going to be good like always but yeah kyle larson will have another year he'll have a year under his belt to try to figure out the next gen car next year i think he'll return to like that four or five win race a year form that's going to be pretty wild and this just kind of sparked my memory that i didn't mention during the our discussion of the bubba wallace and kyle larson thing but uh I mentioned last week I didn't pick Kyle because I didn't know like how they would deal with the adversity of just getting knocked out of the playoffs and all that. Well, he was running up front and after the way he handled that situation, that answered every question I had about how he handles adversity. Like a hundred percent. Like he's going to come out and he's going to kick your butt the next week is what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, he just, he just kind of brushed it off and he's like, all right, back to work. Yep. Pretty much. That's what those kind of guys, that's what top caliber guys do. Chase Elliott does it all the time. He has bad weeks and he comes right back. And like, if it's a road course, chances are he probably wins. So, yeah. Well, and like I said, that answered every question I had about how he handles situations like that. So, oh, 100%. Yeah, definitely. A, definitely. So, got more championships. You, I think he's going to wind up getting, I don't know if he'll contend with like, I don't see, I don't know. I, I never saw anybody contending with Earnhardt and Petty, and then Johnson has seven, so you never know. I'm right. like, I don't want to say never, but if anybody is going to do it or contend for it that has a longevity and the ability, I think Larson is that guy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Up, that could tie Gordon or you know push past to get that fifth championship yep. or whatever. Without a doubt. Oh, yeah, because if they get hot, just – lights out for everybody that's just not yep. good <laughs> so who do you got in xfinity this week i know we're jumping around but i wanted to get back to the xfinity race yeah um so i'm gonna go with a guy that is usually really good on mile and a half particularly um homestead uh i'm gonna go with justin algar damn it <laughs> <laughs> <That> <laughs> Because traditionally he is really good there. He's good at yes. running the wall. He's good at moving around, and he just knows how to be there at the end at those types of races. So, and yes. he's going for a championship. So, oh yeah, he's my pick. Like I know this is kind of early, but he's my pick for the championship this year. Like, and I'm it. also kind of biased because I'm a big fan, and he's like a buddy of mine. So, like, right. I want him to do good no matter what. Right, but. I legitimately think that this is if he's going to win one in the Xfinity series, this is the season he's going to do it. He's won at a bunch of different racetracks the entire year. He's been consistent. They've got yep. God knows how many, you know, top 10 finishes this year. He's always running in the top five. It seems like contending for wins and stuff like that. And I just, I think it's his year. 
I really do. They're ending in Phoenix, one of his best tracks. As long yes. as he can get past, just point his way through, maybe not win, but just point his way through, get to Phoenix. Yep. I, I, I think he's got it this year. That I completely agree with you. Yep. This week, though, I'm picking AJ. <laughs> yeah. I think he's going to be mad about last week, and they're going to go for a win because he's now uh, 16 points out of the playoffs or out of the top four, I should say. Yeah. Uh, that's, I think he's a good, good pick too. Yeah, he's good at managing. So I like the guys at these kind of tracks that are really good at managing tires. Yes. And that's who I usually go with. So I think that AJ, Allgaier, Barry, uh, Ty Gibbs to an extent, I think I think Ty is going to have his hands full these last couple races with all these guys hunting for, you know, all of their first championship. Like, right. And they're veterans. They've been around for a little bit. This is they're where just, the experience kicks in for sure. Yeah, and I just, I don't know. I think he'll do well. I think he'll make the final four. I don't think he'll get eliminated just based on points and how he usually right, finishes. Right. But I think he'll wind up being that guy that just kind of finishes fourth at Phoenix. And I could be totally wrong, too, but that's just my, like, that's just my just of how he's been doing lately. I always go off of Larry Maxwell saying, what have you done for me lately? You know? Yep. Like, what are you doing? I think Josh Berry's hot. He's going to be a contender. He's already in it, so he'll be there. Justin Allgaier will be there. I think, excuse me, I think Noah's going to be in it no matter what. I just, I have that feeling. And I almost then, went with Noah because he's usually pretty good at Homestead too, but he just yeah. has dumb luck there. Like he just has, <laughs> yeah. like he could have a perfect day and he could lead the whole race and take the white flag and he would have something just off the wall happened and he would lose the race. Yes. That track has been to him what Daytona was to Dale Earnhardt Sr. for a while. Like, yes. just the off-the-wall crazy crap happens to him at that yep. track. And th there's no rhyme or reason for it. Like, wheels fall off, just yeah. crazy crap happens all the time. Yeah. But, yeah. So, now we get to the fun one. What about Cup? So, I'm going to go... My pick this week for Cup is somebody that I haven't... I haven't picked personally all year, but somehow he's making it work. And I honestly think he's going to make it to the final four just because he's been good all year. It's crazy, but Ross Chastain. The watermelon man. Dude, it's a home <laughs> race for him. He yeah. has had a stellar battle with Joey Logano, a former champion of the series. Last weekend at Vegas, he did all the yep. right things. Joey's car was just, I don't know if you saw the last eight laps after that restart, but Joey's yes. car was so insanely fast. Like it, it wasn't even right. Like <laughs> Ross did everything that he was supposed to do to keep yeah. Joey from passing him. But Joey's car was so damn fast. He just, there was nothing he could do. Well, he had what? What was it? Thirteen lap fresher tires or yeah. something? He had uh, fresher was, tires than Ross did. It was just dumb. He ran down that huge lead in like two laps, and then he was pushing him for like two laps of like, yeah, this is. If Joey doesn't win, I I don't know what to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this isn't a talent thing. This is just no. like a hit your marks and run your line, and you'll pass the guy. <laughs> yeah, but no, it, it's a home race for Ross. Uh, Man, them track house guys, they just came out of nowhere this year. And Ross has been 
he's made a lot yeah. of dumb mistakes this year, but he's very aggressive and he knows how to be up front. Like he has proven that this year. He knows how to have that number one car up front. Yep. Well, he's he's back to the Ross that doesn't give a crap. Is yeah. what I like. Oh, like yeah. he's just running now. And I think there for a little bit he kind of fell off because he got a little too conservative. Mm-hmm. Cuz he was running people over every, every week and you know yeah. making everybody mad series. So he like backed off for a little bit, but I love what DBC said about that. Maybe he's got this system figured out. You run <laughs> your butt off the first half of the season, then kind of chill out for a little bit once you know you're in the playoffs and then hammer down whenever you're in the playoffs again. Yeah. No, I I don't know. I think that's a safe bet going into this weekend. I think it is too. Um since this is a finesse track, I got Chase this week. I think the nine car is gonna be fast this weekend. Yeah, that's also a good pick because uh, he was very, very down on himself after the performance at Vegas. So, And now he just had that huge 30-point lead, and he's down to, like, I think 17 to the good. He's third in the points. So, yeah, yeah. he's – he had a rough weekend. They just they just missed it. Like some weekends, you'll hear this. You, you just missed the setup. They just missed. Like I don't know what the setup was, but right. they were off by half a bubble. Like it was right. not good the entire weekend. They couldn't fix the car. No, I uh, I think Chase is definitely going to be good, but he's been fast everywhere this year. It's just whether or not that his car is not a miss again, like it was last week. Oh yeah, hundred percent. I, they, Hendrick doesn't miss two weeks in a row or it doesn't seem like they do anymore. So I, I think they're going to rebound very well. And I think he's going to do good. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Chase is a solid pick, but oh, yeah. don't forget about Larson. He's really good there too. So he, he's, <laughs> I don't know. He could pull something wild off. I mean, he's had two really bad weeks in a row. Yeah. And uh, See, he's, typically good at the mile and a half so oh yeah he's usually dominant there see like the dark horse i kind of have uh chase briscoe doing pretty good because he seems to do good at those kind of tracks too yeah well and he somehow pulled off a decent finish again last weekend dude that's something that nobody's talking about they have been a lap down i know (laughs) They, it's been, it got missed again. I don't know what happened last week. They, some, everybody missed it, but this weekend it got blown over by the whole Bubba Larson thing, but he was a lap down. I think stage two, it wasn't even that long to go yet in the race. And he's up there contending for the lead. Like, yeah, the next thing you know, that team is resilient as all get out. And if they don't get knocked out, that's going to be one of the people that just like surprises you and wins a championship for no reason whatsoever. He's uh Chase is definitely going to be my dark horse going into the round of four. Oh, yeah. 100%. If they could just put together one full race to where they're up front all day, he's going to be dangerous. Yeah, they've got the speed for whatever reason. That's the one fast SHR car. Like, mm-hmm. they've got the speed in that car. They've been doing real well for the past month, it seems like. It's just they haven't been able to put a whole, like what you said, it's like the first stage they suck, half the second stage they suck, and then all of a sudden they're fifth. And I'm like, where did you come from? It's like what AJ does sometimes. Yeah, same it's thing. It's terrible for half the race, and then all of a sudden he's like third. You're sitting there going, where in the world did he just come from? 
No, it'll, uh, but like you said earlier, it's going to be cool to see all three series in Homestead. Homestead always races good because yeah. it's so wide. There's so much moving around. There's going to be guys on the wall, down on the bottom. It's, yeah. I just, I like everything about Homestead. Yes. I love the big momentum tracks. Yes. Like wherever you're fast at is where you're fast at. It doesn't matter. And you can make up ground. If you are fast on the bottom, there's passing. There, It's just a very fun racetrack. It's what I like to see whenever you go to a race. There's options. There's guys, you know, dive bombing people, get slide jobs in there. Mm-hmm. Hopefully Dale Jr., you know, gets amped up and yells slide job like six <laughs> yeah. times in a row. <laughs> yeah. Well, being a dirt guy, momentum's the name of the game on dirt. And those oh, yeah. are definitely my favorite tracks. That's why I like the Iowa race more. Obviously, it was a home race for me, but that's such a momentum track and with the car that mm-hmm. i had i was able to get some good runs and i'm like this is just way too much fun oh yeah that track races really well for yes having the limited banking that it does it races really well i wish we wouldn't have had a four-hour rain delay that washed all the rubber off and we could have started the race with rubber on the track so we could have moved around a little more it yep. took like 15 laps before you could even go up to the second groove but it does. It races very well because by the end of the race, you got guys on that progressive banking from all the way from the apron up to the wall. So it, oh, it yeah. pr- produces really good racing. I think it's going to be a lot of fun this weekend. I hope everybody has a good time. I love it when all three series are together, especially like what we said earlier for truck Xfinity. It gets them the attention that they need and deserve for sponsorship opportunity, drivers, all sorts of other stuff. But dude, it's going to be fun this weekend. Yeah. that. The progressive banking, it just always, it makes a world of difference. It's like we said about Iowa. uh, That's what makes Iowa race so good is the progressive banking and Homestead's no different. So getting that three, three, four, five wide, it's going to make for really good racing. All three series. Oh, for sure. Man. Well, I think Zoom isn't here to keep us in check anymore. So we're, (laughs) uh, we're about at 90 minutes into this conversation. I think we picked a good spot to kind of wrap up and, you know, call it a night. Yeah, no, I, this was a good conversation. There was just so much to cover just with all the craziness and all the drama that happened in NASCAR this week. I, but oh, yeah. I, I think we gave good perspective on everything and definitely got to talk about a lot. So, <laughs> well, there's just a lot of nonsense that happened this weekend, like Too from much. Bubba to Martin to Tony Stewart to, you know, the whole nine yards, like, dude, there was just a lot. Yeah, it's it's hard. We did very well wrapping it up in 90 minutes. <laughs> if we weren't recording this, we would probably be on the phone for like three hours talking about this. So, <laughs> Oh, 100%. And there would be a lot more um, interesting language used. <laughs> I should just say foul language. Like there'd be a lot more cuss words is all I was saying. But we try possible. to keep it clean because <laughs> iTunes and all the things that read the shows and stuff, they, right. they like that. So, yeah. But man, I think if you're good, I think we're going to wrap up. No, that was good. Uh, we're pretty young into this show, but I already feel better about it after this one, the one last oh. week. So it's just going to get better going forward. Oh, hundred percent. There's going to be more topics. And unlike a lot of the other racing podcasts that stopped during the off season, um, we're, gonna we're not going. stopping. Yeah. We're not stopping through the off season. We'll come up with interesting topics start thinking about like, you know, just really cool. There's a lot to talk about with racing. So there's no shortage of issues or things going on or what have you. So we'll keep it. We'll keep y'all 
entertained throughout the off season. <laughs> yeah. We're uh we can ramble on about just about anything. So <laughs> we'll come yep. up with something. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I'm gonna start closing it out. What is your uh how how can people get a hold of you on Instagram? Uh look me up uh at underscore Tanner Allen underscore. Uh my my account's really easy to follow. Um I actually have race car driver added into the name on my account. So it's really easy to find. Uh, you can also find me at Tanner Allen racing on Facebook. Those are my two most active accounts. So you can find me there. Sweet. Well, I am the captain of cars on Instagram, TikTok, and every other social media platform. Try to post regularly and I'm getting better at it. So you'll Same see here. the first gear podcast posts, uh, pretty frequently uh, we're trying to gain traction we're trying to do all the things and keep you guys you know informed and stuff on what's going on too so check out the story slides and everything um, you can follow us on instagram tiktok facebook we have all the pages lined up for social media if you just look up first gear underscore podcast you'll find it right away so i'm going to close this out hope you guys have a great week we'll catch you all later